The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to the Barnyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. A little bit later than I wanted to be, but it is what it is. Let me adjust this mic a little bit. I feel like I'm a little bit low. Maybe that's a little bit better for you there. How about that? Hopefully that's better for you guys. A lot to talk about. I was waiting a little bit. I was on uh, the Stingray show a little bit earlier, but I was waiting because I heard we may have some good news coming. We did get some good news. We'll talk a little bit about that, update you on everything that's going on in the world of Mississippi State football recruiting. Going to be a little bit shorter show today, so I do apologize. I've got to hit the road. I'm going to see the grandkid, have a late Christmas with them. You know, between Christmas holidays and the bowl game and that sort of stuff, sometimes it's difficult to get out and go see everybody. So we're going to go knock out that this weekend. So I uh, hope that you guys get a chance to enjoy some time with your uh, your friends and family this weekend. We only got one game of college football left. And that's Monday night, the national championship game between Alabama and Ohio State. I'm going Alabama. Alabama's got the uh, athletes to match up in the secondary against Ohio State. Alabama, the teams that have given them trouble are teams that can gash you with the quarterback run. If Justin Fields can't run, and I don't expect him to be able to run with the same proficiency that he did prior to the rib injury, I think that really spells trouble for Ohio State. I think it'll be a very entertaining game. I do like Alabama in the ball game. I think Alabama wins this ball game by a couple touchdowns. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, though. And how great it is that we get to kind of finalize the season with a national championship game. I don't know if you guys saw, there's been a lot of discussions about uh, possibly moving the game back due to some COVID issues related to Ohio State. Then there were reports earlier today that um, COVID testing was already back, and that seems to be a little bit early. And then Greg Byrne, athletic director at Alabama, former Mississippi State AD, Greg Byrne came out on social media and said tests are not back yet. From what I understand, the final test will take place this weekend, and I guess the results will be uh, you know, Sunday. That's usually how it works. When you get the three tests, and you get the, um, you know, the final test before the travel day. So maybe tomorrow would be the test. You know, we'll see. But uh, we're going to play a football game Monday night, barring some late change, and that'll be fun to watch. We're done. And uh, it's kind of fun that uh, we were able to participate in the postseason, still seeing some postseason accolades for guys like uh, Tula Griffin. A lot of people still talking about him and Emmanuel Forbes. Everybody I talked to about Mississippi State this year, they're like, man, I didn't know that State had so many freshmen. And I guess if you only cover us the week of, uh, of your particular game, maybe you don't realize that. You know, well, Rogers is a freshman. You know, Jaden Wally's a freshman. But then you get a little deeper into this thing, and you realize that Tulu Griffin and Jaquavius Marks and Dylan Johnson and Manuel Forbes, and none of those guys have lost a year of eligibility. They've got a year of experience but still have four years to play. I think that bodes well for our future. I think we all feel really good about the fact that we've got a young nucleus of players that can kind of grow together and kind of move forward and push this program to new heights. A lot of people said when Dan Mullen came here and then when Dan left, we'd never be able to have that again. I think Mike Leach can get us back to where we were with Dan Mullen. Do we get back to number one in the country? I'm not willing to make that statement. 
But consistently being an 8-4, and 9-3 and three type team, yeah, I think we can do that. I think Mike Leach can do that. I think that the, when, once Mike Leach gets some true SEC talent in here and we're already beginning to do that, we're going to move this thing forward. I've shared with you guys before, Mike Leach has never had a top 25 recruiting class, ever, ever. At any point in his career has he signed the top 25 class. And so he's been kind of getting this thing done and kind of uh, scaring college football to death, you know, with just kind of average college football players. So as we begin to kind of finalize this 2021 class, we're starting to feel really good about where we stand. No, we're not in top 25. We hope to get in the top 30. You know, we kind of missed on our chance to get in top 25, and we had Malik Neighbors and MJ Daniels flip away from us. But, um, you know, we're right there kind of breathing down the neck on a top 25 in a year of, of a global pandemic, a year we couldn't get out and go recruit, and a year we weren't exactly stellar on the field. But we're still putting together a really good class. I'm excited about the class. We had to address some offensive line depth. We had to address some skill at wide receiver. We've done that. Went out and got two big-time quarterbacks. Name we saw you, Robertson. I mean, I think you feel really good about him, the highest-rated quarterback ever signed by the Mississippi State program. So, yeah, we're taking some steps forward. I'm excited about it. You should be as well. And, again, not finished just yet either. Still got some spots to work with. One of those spots filled today. We'll discuss that after the break. If you want to eat like a king or queen, go by Bulldog Burger Company. Longtime sponsors of this show. I, I promise you, it's almost like a challenge. And everybody does these social media challenges. You know, if you can clean your plate at Bulldog Burger Company, I'd almost like to see that. You know, I mean, it's like I have never, in all the years that I have been going to Bulldog Burger Company, I've never finished the hamburger and all the fries. I've never finished the whole salad. I mean, it just doesn't happen. They feed you there. You know, a lot of places you go and you spend some money and you leave there and you think, you know what, I probably could have had a little bit more. Not, not a Bulldog Burger Company. You're going to get substantial portions that are very filling. You're going to get your money's worth when you go to Bulldog Burger Company. Have the spring rolls as the appetizer. Have the Lauren. Maybe have the Bryant. Try the Smokehouse. If you just want a great straight-ahead rock and roll hamburger, get the Bulldog. But if you want to get out there on the wild side a little bit, let me encourage you. Try the Pimentology. Add bacon. Try the mission. Try them all. Find your own favorites. You're going to love it. Two locations now to serve you right here on University Drive in Stark Vegas and on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people in Starkville and Tupelo go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, big news from the uh, world of recruiting today as Mississippi State picks up San Jose State grad transfer Trey Walker. This is a kind of a whirlwind courtship. We knew that State would take one more offensive player. Told we wouldn't take a wide receiver unless he was a difference maker. Well, that's what you got in Trey Walker. Trey Walker, a two-time all-conference player for San Jose State. Let me run down some numbers for you right here just so you guys can know. Walker, uh, the one of the most prolific receivers in Spartan program history. I believe the third leading receiver in his career there running down the numbers for you his big year was the junior year of 2019 79 catches 1161 yards uh, averaging 14.7 yards a catch a couple touchdowns long of 50 this year the abbreviated schedule due to covid 45 receptions 627 yards Uh, you're beginning to kind of put these numbers together you know he he has had a a prolific career nearly 2800 yards in receiving 
there at San Jose State. Where will he play? Well, you know, he played outside receiver there uh, at San Jose. I'm told that he'll probably stay outside at Mississippi State, but that'll be figured out in spring practice. 5'11", 180. He has the ability to elevate, and he he plays bigger than 5'11", but he's not that 6'4", 6'5", guy. And we've got some guys like that that have some length. This is a guy that's a little different than some of the other guys that we have. Uh, A guy that's very explosive. You can find his highlights out there on YouTube. I think you'll be very, very impressed with those. We needed – to upgrade the quality of skill at the wide receiver position. And listen, we were all excited about that 2019 wide receiver class. You remember that one? Or 2020, excuse me. We got Malik Heath, we got Caleb Ducking, and people tell me that he's going to be a guy to turn some heads next year. You got Tulu Griffin and you got Rufus Harvey. Rufus hadn't played much at all, if any, this year. Uh, but you know, one of the best route runners in the state that we've seen the last few years he had the hamstring issue, and then he was out some with some contact tracing. And so you feel good about those guys, but now you're starting to stack some groups of receivers together. This group, arguably the best wide receiver group that the state signed probably since the 90s. Maybe, maybe back when we signed Eric Moulds and Keyshawn Johnson, right? Oh, was state signed Keyshawn Johnson? Yes, we did. He just didn't qualify. Ultimately went to USC. I've actually talked to him in person about that. Can you imagine what Jackie Sherrill and those guys and uh, Bruce Arians could have done with Molds and Keyshawn Johnson? Katie barred the door, right? Great Mississippi State stories like that of almost getting there. But when you look at this group of wide receivers the state has put together this year and you couple it with what you signed last year, I think you begin to realize we're serious about changing the culture when it comes to wide receivers at Mississippi State. I think Trey comes in and is an immediate impact guy. And that's the thing, too, you looked at too late in the year. You know, we had a lot of guys. We even had walk-ons out there playing wide receiver because our numbers were so down. You know, we we were short some guys. We had some guys that weren't producing. We had some guys that were hurt. Javante Payton being one of them, a little bit banged up. But now all of a sudden you begin to think, okay, we're adding some real competition to the room. Five wide receivers in the class. Should close out all the offensive slots for this group unless just something pops up late. I know we had, we'd kind of been talks with some offensive line prospects. And that's one of the things, too, when you already sign five offensive linemen, it's difficult to go get a sixth one because where am I going to play, right? Where am I going to play? You know, we play a ton of offensive linemen over the course of a season. We play a ton of receivers over the course of a game. We've got to upgrade both of those positions. We've really done that. We've really committed ourselves to upgrading the talent at both offensive line and at wide receiver. We feel good about our young quarterback and Will Rogers. Got some real competition coming to the room there, too. Trace Levertich transferring in from South Alabama. Jack Abraham transferring in from Southern Miss. And then you got some freshmen. I like these older guys coming in, whether they play or not. I don't think Jack Abraham or Trace are going to show up and say, you know what, I'm just here to hold a clipboard. They're going to they're push for playing time. Don't know that they get it, but, I mean, how nice is it to think about, okay, well, with Sawyer Roberts and Daniel Greek coming in and Will Rogers retaining his freshman year of eligibility, you got some veteran guys that come in there that kind of prevents you from being completely young. Because what happens if Will Rogers gets dinged up next year and you got to play a true freshman again? I think Mike Leach wants to avoid that as best he can. So you go out and get some veteran guys that can come in here and provide some depth. I like it. And one of the things our Washington State counterparts told us is that Mike Leach, every single year, is going to add transfer 
quarterbacks every year. Going to get walk-ons from junior college, going to get grad transfers. He's going to add competition to the quarterback room every single year. Well, we've seen that in the two years that Mike Leach has been here during recruiting season. He has added a ton of quarterbacks to this room. So we're seeing it happen. And Will Rogers and everybody involved will be better as a result of it. They will be better because there are more com- com- competitors in the room. Nobody's going to give them anything. They're going to have to work hard and earn it. Nothing's going to be given to Will Rogers. That's not to say that he hadn't earned the starting spot, but he's going to have some people nipping at his heels. It's going to, yeah, hey, he can't let up. Not that he ever would. But competition makes everybody better. It doesn't matter if it's you know, in the retail furniture business or, you know, Whatever it is, you know, when you have competition, you got to stay on your toes. You got to do the things that make you successful. You can't coast. And I think this is a good thing for Will Riders and a good thing for Mississippi State. So we're giving Will and those guys more guys to throw to, and we're bringing some other guys in there to kind of help them sharpen us all a little bit. I like it. I think you will as well. A lot of people say, well, Steve, we got to get some DBs, and we do. A name to remember is Adam Sparks from Missouri. Adam, originally from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, went to Mizzou in the portal now. Adam is the guy that's expected to graduate in May, which would make him a grad transfer, which would exempt him from having to sit out a year in the conference because of the interconference transfer. Played uh, five games this year, opted out after the Florida game, had just 10 tackles this year will retain that year, obviously, because uh, this year doesn't count. So he'll have one year to play. He will come in, and I understand that he will play at corner. You got Martin Emerson. You got Emmanuel Forbes you feel really good about. This guy comes in, provides some immediate competition, but also to some experience and depth. He'll play. I'm told if necessary, he could play safety, but he's a little bit smaller, so we expect him to come in and compete at corner. He's a veteran guy. He's been around for a while. Got, uh, let's see, what, 99 career tackles, three interceptions. You know, so this is not a guy that's just been a special teams guy that's looking for an opportunity to get on the field somewhere. Guy was a good player up there. And so eager to see what he can do here. Played a lot his first couple of years there. And, uh, of course, this year uh, opted out early uh, back in the month of October. So that's a name to remember. And then Ty Cooper, we've talked about him, it seems like, for a year. I continue to hear that Ty Cooper is going to announce his decision here in the next couple days. I know there's been some uh, other you know, reports out there that suggest that he might wait to signing day. I'm, I'm told there's a good chance that he's going to do it uh, here in the, next, uh, in the next week. I was told last week that uh, January 11th is his mother's birthday and that he was considering making the call then. So if he announces on Monday, I will not be surprised. And I do expect it to be Mississippi State. I know other people out there say, well, I don't understand this. You know, it doesn't matter when you get them as long as you get them. It just simply doesn't matter. And so we worked through this process, and good on our coaches for not giving up and staying on him. It does appear that he'll be a Bulldog sooner rather than later. And, of course, you know, commitment, you know, is great. We want to get into signing day, right? We want to get him committed and then get him into signing day. And, listen, we're less than 30 days uh, from signing day, which seems weird. And there's, there hadn't been a lot of buzz, but all of a sudden, you know, things have picked up here in the last couple of days. Ty Cooper appears ready to set a, a commitment date. You pick up uh, Trey Walker. And then there is discussion about C.J. Johnson, the guy that's going to take some trips. And then that doesn't leave a whole lot of spots, does it, right? 
So when you look at where we are right now, recruiting-wise, we talked before about Mississippi State expected to sign 26 this year. And you say, well, Steve, how does that work? Well, you have one initial counter left for 2020. So one of your December guys, one of your mid-year guys, will go ahead and be a part of that, right? That leaves you 25 more to go ahead and sign. So you've got 20 high school guys signed, and then you have a couple transfers, Randy Charles and Trey Walker. That takes you to 22. That's counting some JUCO guys too. So 22, that leaves you four spots. So you add Ty Cooper, C.J. Johnson, it takes you down to two. Well, then you go get Adam Sparks, maybe Adam Mizzou. That leaves you room for one more player, probably a DB. One of the things that we're running into, I've heard this, is, you know, when you've got Martin Emerson, who was a true sophomore, and you've got Emmanuel Forbes, who was a true freshman, that are both out there receiving All-American-type honors, there's not a lot of people that say, yeah, I want to go run and be a part of that. You know, if you're a transfer and you want to go somewhere that has a real need, and you maybe you don't see a real need at the cornerback position at Mississippi State. And so that's why I think going and getting Adam Sparks, a guy that we had recruited before, a guy that we have a connection with to some guys on the staff, and you go get that kid, and then, then maybe you go get you a safety somewhere. You know, there's a, certainly opportunity there. And so we'll continue to work through that. But as it stands today, that's how it looks. With four spots remaining, Ty Cooper takes the final defensive end spot. C.J. Johnson comes in, and I expect C.J. to play safety. And if you can get Adam Sparks, he gives you some depth at corner. And then you've got one spot left. I think that goes for a safety. I think. But when you look, you know, Marcus Murphy's going into the draft. You know, and so you certainly have some opportunities there. I think you're probably – probably easier to talk a safety in the coming than a corner especially if you get sparks because now you can say well listen you guys got a grad transfer corner and you got two returning starting corners where am I gonna play which reminds me Jadarius Perkins there is some discussion out there that he may even return to to, to uh, Gulf Coast Community College this year and try his luck again next year I suspect that he'll pick up some late offers between now and February that might change his mind but I'm told that, that is that is a possibility that he may not sign with anybody may just go fish but it's a weird deal with no visits, no in-home visits, no campus visits, none of that. I, you know, and listen, I understand the world we're living in, but um, you know, these guys are having to make decisions with very limited information. And you don't get to put the exclamation point on your recruiting pitch. You know what I'm saying? You don't get a chance to bring everybody down here and, you know, and maybe have the, uh, you know, the big concert downtown or you know, whatever. You, know, you, you can't get guys here when there's uh, activities going on you know, basketball games and things of that nature, and you know, because the crowds are diminished and everything else, you, you miss all that. And then you miss, you know, the head coach going in and putting his feet under your mom's table and, you know, breaking bread and just kind of, you know, talking about life and that sort of stuff. You don't get a chance to do all that. That's where I think Tony Hughes is really a benefit to Mississippi State. He's kind of the lord of the living room, you know, to borrow a phrase from Jerry Maguire. I mean, Tony's a closer. Tony's good with the families. Tony's good with the parents. You know, Tony's a guy that can sit down and kind of speak their language. I mean, Tony is a guy that, uh, you know, is from small-town Mississippi, and so he has coached all over the state. He knows Mississippi college football better than anybody. And so you miss that. You miss that guy that can go in there and just kind of sit down and look you in the eye and say, listen, here's what you're going to get at Mississippi State because people trust Tony Hughes. And so you miss all that. And so everybody's kind of having a scramble here late and kind of figure some things out. And, and uh, yeah, again, I, I think – 
you know, the fact that Steve Spurrier Jr. is able to go get Trey Walker, they offered him yesterday, and then I understand he signed all of his SEC compliance paperwork this morning. And so, you know, this is this is a, a, going to be a, a guy that can come right in and, and be here for spring practice. And so that's exciting. And one of the things about the staff when it comes to recruiting that continue to impress me is they never seem like they're scrambling. When things go wrong or something doesn't happen the way we hope that it does, we're prepared. And people say, well, Steve, what do you mean? Well, a good example is we get Rara Thomas committed before Brandon Buckhalter flips the Ole Miss. It's because we knew what was about to happen. So we weren't going to just sit around and, you know, wring our hands and clutch our pearls and hope for the best. Well, let's go out and get another player. And listen, I like Brandon Buckhalter. I think he's a good player. You know, it's incredible. Some people within you know, rival fan bases, when a guy flips, well, I like him anyway. Nah, I like Brandon Buckhalter. I don't think he's a difference maker, but I think he's a good player. I think Rara Thomas is better. So, you, and then you go lose, uh, you know, you lose McKaylin Pounders, which is still an absolute travesty. And I think that there should be some accountability for how that all went down. I mean, McKaylin Pounders is the one paying for being a part of all that stuff. And then you replace him with Albert Reese. You know, a guy that's, uh, you know, a surefire tackle, a guy that was uh, named All-American by some people. And so those are the things that excite me. It's like, you know, there's always a plan. It's never like, oh, well, we got to go cut up film. Oh, my gosh, we're going to lose this kid. What are we going to do? Well, it's because we continue to recruit other players. We continue to recruit them. And so we're able to pivot pretty quickly because our staff is – it's done their due diligence. And I give, you know, credit to Rod Gibson and Mason Smith and Brad Peterson and all those guys. You know, they've worked hard behind the scenes to have that kind of information ready. So it's not one of those deals where, okay, well, we got three receivers committed. We don't have to recruit any other receivers. We don't have to evaluate any other receivers. No, it's a process that continues long throughout the season. And I think we're benefiting from it. You know, and people have asked me, you know, is there anybody in the class you would throw back? And the answer to that question is no. It's not, you know, I don't think there's many reaches in the class. That's the thing. People say, well, you know what, Steve? I feel like that Jay Hampton kid's a little bit of a reach. Well, you know, okay, cool. And a lot of it's because you don't know anything about him. You know, we didn't do much with him because, you know, he didn't come to camps. He wasn't a spring evaluation guy. But he ran a 4.4740, 6'2", 175 pounds. Now, I talked to Darcel McBath earlier this week, and he said he watched 10 clips of the kid and jumped out of his chair and said, let's offer him. Because he knew that if we didn't get him signed now in December, we were going to have a fight on our hands in February. I'm told that the day after Mississippi State offered, he got five other offers. Five. Some other people you know were starting to sniff around a little bit too. But the kid grew up in Amory, Mississippi. Grew up wanting to play at Mississippi State. Given the opportunity, he's like, hey, listen, this is perfect. I don't need to play the game. Which reminds me, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, so I'll probably write about this at some point. I don't know that the casual recruiting fan has really thought about what's going to happen for the class of 2022. You know, we've talked so much about seniors coming back, and let me give you a you know, brief update on that. I think you guys know Kobe Jones, Errol Thompson, Marquis Spencer, uh, Greg Island, all those guys looking to go pro. Greg Island hadn't made it official just yet. Still waiting to hear what uh, Javante Payton's going to do. We think he's going to be okay. Not sure what Osiris is going to do. Darian Parker, I'm told, is kind of you know going back and forth. LaQuinson Sharp expected to be back. 
Fred Peters expected to be back. C.J. Morgan expected to be back. Scott Lashley expected to be back. So it's kind of a mixed bag there. But see, here's the deal. There really aren't any seniors next year, right? Because none of the juniors are going to move up. The juniors will remain juniors. When the only seniors that return are going to be guys that were seniors this year, and they're not going to count against your scholarship numbers, correct? So since you're going to have a much smaller number of spots to work with, there's not going to be a lot of room for these guys to play recruiting games. There's not going to be as many schools signing 25 players next year. Again, look at how young Mississippi State is. Those guys are going to retain their eligibility. They're going to be around at least three more years, right? And so 2022, you're going to have a lot of schools out there that are probably going to have to process some guys. You know, Mississippi State has the ability to sign 25. I don't know that we will. I think we'd like to. You start looking at our numbers. I mean, you you start adding some one-year guys. That frees up a scholarship for next year. You know, obviously you add Adam Sparks. Those guys will be seniors, right? They'll move on. Trey Walker obviously would be a senior again. And so then those guys would move on and free up some spots moving forward. But, you know, for those guys out there that want to play the game and be manipulated – and be part of some PR scam, you know, you, you might want to be real mindful of that this year because there are going to be a lot of players of comparable ability that would do anything to have your offer. And so I don't think that they're going to be coaches that are going to be very patient with all of that stuff. I think 2022 recruits best be on their P's and Q's. I think if you want to play games, I think you're playing with fire. Because you start getting cute, you're going to get cut. Because that guy that, uh, you know, there's another guy out there that would do anything to have your offer, that's going to act right and going to be loyal and be committed and help his future team. When the coach says, you know what, you want to play games? Let me go take this kid down the road here from Amory High School. Let me go take this kid from Biloxi that has been blowing me up on Twitter and his tape looks just like yours. We just happen to know about you first. And so, yeah, if you want to get cute and you want to play games and you want to go, you know, go to ball games up the road and and uh, go do all that stuff, that's fine. We're just going to go take the next best kid. We're going to go get him. We're going to go get that guy that's not going to bring drama and anxiety and heartache to our class. We're not going to be part of this whole dog and pony show so somebody can wear a Mary Flipmas ugly Christmas sweater and pronounce themselves to be the kings of in-state recruiting. We're just not going to participate in that especially with the talent of the level of talent in the state of Mississippi in 2022. You don't play the games because you don't have to play the games. There's going to be a lot of – Louisiana loaded. LSU ain't going to better sign everybody, right? I wonder if LSU is going to have 25 spots under the 85 to work with, right? And so when you begin to look at this, you begin to realize, you know, in many respects, the, the schools – can't be held hostage in 2022 like perhaps they are most years. Because of the fact, and I think we've seen with Mike Leach and his staff, listen, if if you want to get cute and you want to do things to draw attention to yourself, that's fine. You go do that somewhere else. You know, we had some guys we had to dismiss. We had some other guys that left the program because they weren't a good fit. We wish all of them the best. There's no hard feelings against any of them from me. 
But why would we go recruit more of what we just ran off? Right? Does it make any sense? No, we wouldn't do that. We wouldn't do that. When you're trying to set the edge on a new culture, then you're not going to go out there and go, you know, recruit knuckleheads. You're not going to go out there and get guys that, uh, you know, that want to draw attention to themselves for the wrong reasons. The thing that I have learned is most of the guys that, um, you know, try to do the hat dance thing on signing day and pull the big surprise in this state have not amounted to much on either side of the rivalry. So you had the big signing day flip or whatever, and yet it looks good on signing day. What does it do on reporting day? What does it do in the bowl game? What does it do in the Egg Bowl? What does it do when it's fourth and goal at the one at Alabama? All those newspaper clippings aren't going to help you. Your viral video from WCBI is not going to help you. you got to get out there and make a play. And so, you know, we have learned the hard way, and we've learned also from, you know, through the form of basically entertainment, kind of gleefully laughing at the other side, you know, they'll go out and get some kid to throw, to throw our hat, and then he never plays it down to football. And so you begin to kind of work through all that, and you say, you know what? This year, in 2022, I think the first red flag you get of somebody being stupid, you just go ahead and move on. Somebody wants to get cute, they get cut. I'm not going to belabor the point, but I think you understand what I'm saying. There are going to be less scholarship plays pl- players out there that are going to have the ability to kind of stretch this thing out. Because schools aren't going to have as many spots to work with, and there is going to be a ton of talent in the tri-state area that is going to be competing for those spots. And as a result, I think those guys are going to be much more grateful when somebody accepts their commitment and say, you know what, this is what I want to do. I'm not going to take any chances with this. I'm shutting my recruitment down. And so when I put tweet out a commitment video that says 110% committed, I mean it because I know that if I get out here and get all loose and fast and start – uh, you know, retweeting other schools' graphics and that sort of stuff, that I'm going to get a phone call from Mike Leach one day and says, hey, are you in or are you out? Well, I'm in, Coach. Oh, well, I saw you tweeted this old Miss graphic. I just need to know where you stand because it doesn't look good for Mississippi State to have our commitment out here advertising for the other school. So are you in or are you out? Well, Coach, I was just sure. Okay, well, let's not do that again. Then they do it again. Okay, cool. Well, let's just move on. Let's just go find somebody else because – why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out. 
and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. There's going to be a lot of players out there that are going to be capable of filling that spot. There's going to be more competition for less spots in recruiting this year, perhaps, than there ever has been. Watch what I'm telling you. It's going to be a very, very, very interesting year when it comes to taking early commitments and then when guys get a little bit cute late. You know, we saw this year Mike Leach and his staff don't have a lot of patience when it comes to the game playing. They don't. And there's some other people out there that say, well, you know, if they, yeah, you're right. If they had shut things down, yeah, we wouldn't have been moving on from them. We would be pulling offers. But you know what? I think that serves well for the future. Some other guys say, you know what? Hey, this guy was out here doing this and doing that. Next thing you know, Mississippi State took, them, took another player. And so, you know what? Brandon Buckhalter was out there and had some people out there kind of scheming behind him. And so Mississippi State recognized that. So they went ahead and took Rara Thomas. And so when he flipped, it was kind of like, okay, well, oh, well. Good luck. Not going to be held hostage. Today's top ten list brought to you by the fine folks at my bookie. You guys are well aware of them. If you like to have a little skin in the game, my bookie's happy to help you with that. Very, very easy process to follow. And there's so much to bet on these days. The NBA is back. NFL playoffs are here. National championship game is here. A lot of specials available to you. You've got to log in and find out for yourself to get the details. Visit them at mybookie. Dot com and you can use promo code boneyard they will match your deposit up to 50 percent that's right so let's say you're going to put 400 bucks in they're going to give you 200 bucks a house money to bring your total to 600 so right out of the gate you're mitigating some of your loss right i mean see and that's the thing you might could parlay that extra 200 bucks and double that money and then you know you're already profiting on the house gift so again check it out my bookie promo code boneyard Turn today's season and this year's season into your winning season right there at my bookie. I promised you guys we would do R&B today. We are. But we have a new number one. Roy texted me this morning. Roy Samante keeps up with all this. You can thank Roy for putting together these top ten Spotify lists for you guys. Uh, and then Gordon is another guy. That, Gordon has gone back in our, in our archives, and I'm, I'm tweeting those out for you too. It's so, there's so many people that, are, that make this show go that uh, don't get a lot of credit, and I want to thank them for what they do to, to help the Boneyard listener. It is really a family, isn't it? But so Roy texted me this morning, you know, number one for us for a while had been Journey. Number two was Foreigner. Last week, George Strait took the number three spot. And so I thought, you know what, maybe, maybe we need to do a little more country, right? So we do Waylon Jennings, and I can announce to you proudly, Waylon Jennings, now number one. Waylon Jennings the first outlaw of outlaw country now has the most listened to top 10 Spotify list in the history of the show. We've only been doing that a few months, right? We're doing top 10 uh, this year, but uh, Roy's been putting that together now, I guess for a couple months. And now Waylon, the balladeer, number one. So for you country music fans, I hear you. Okay. I hear you. And so we're going to do a little more country from now on. Okay. But uh, don't, don't, we're not gonna, we're not gonna stray away from the rock too much. But today we're gonna do some R and B. I thought about, you know, the early '90s in R and B. You know, was such, it, it was such a great 
time for the genre. You know, in the 80s, we talk about how great 80s rock was. In the 90s, it was kind of like grunge was great, but it was kind of a renaissance for R&B artists. And I think arguably the best female R&B group of the, of the era is TLC. And so we're doing TLC today. And TLC is one of those bands, too, that uh, we're a bit of a crossover. We've got a ton of top 40 hits. All right, so no honorable mentions today, but let me give you my top 10 TLC songs. And I'll be honest with you, I was, uh, I was Team Chili. For those of you, and if, if you know, you know. I was Team Chili. And, um, you know, Lisa Left Eye Lopez made a ton of headlines off of uh, – off the uh, the stage, you know, her and Andre Risen were uh, were married for a while, and she set his mansion on fire, and uh, sadly died in a uh, jeep accident on a vacation. And uh, so, yeah, this is a band that has not been without some tragedy, and um, but ultra ultra talented. So uh, that first album, Ooh, on the TLC tip, incredible, and uh, the first couple tracks come from that album. Number ten, Hat to the Back, which is one of those uh, Lisa Lopez great songs. Bad by Myself is number nine. Number eight, when they began to be more and more radio-friendly, was Unpretty. Number seven, The Red Light Special. Number six, Baby, Baby, Baby. You know that one. Number five, probably their their highest charting song, I think, but it's Waterfalls. Don't go chasing waterfalls. You know, stick to the rivers and lakes that you're used to. You know that one? Kind of a song about uh, staying among good living. Uh, Number four, a song that was a hit for them on MTV, but I really felt like it was kind of underappreciated, but it's What About Your Friends? They'll let you down. Will they be around? Number three, and this is a song, too, that um, has kind of a hidden bass line in it. So, like, if you just have, like, the regular car stereo, you're kind of missing out on the experience. There is a a deeper bass sound. You probably got to have, I don't know, maybe maybe a four-ohm bass system or something but it's creep great video too an incredible video um that was one of those songs too that uh, a lot of people heard and it was kind of it was a shock in many ways because it was you know women talking about stepping out it was um one of those things that was kind of taboo even back then it's always been taboo but uh to be so open about it kind of created a little controversy but they were up for it Number two, the first single from the TLC drop album, the first one, the initial album, is Ain't Too Proud to Bag. And uh, great dance track, loved the video. And I think the first time I saw this was on Soul Train. I think they came out and did a performance on Soul Train right before things got crazy. And you could see then that this was, this was a group that had some backing and some talent. But I think, I think all of us would agree the number one TLC song of all time. And you know what it is before I even say it. You should, if you know anything about TLC, but it's no scrubs. Because if you have a car and you're walking, oh, yes, son, I'm talking to you. We all love it. Love TLC. And, uh, you know, T-Boz and Chili and, and uh, Left Eye, they were great. And uh, it's one of those times today that was also silly. You know what I'm saying? And so they didn't take themselves too seriously, but they were serious musicians. And uh, I think that's what made them so lovable is that everybody kind of saw them as you know somebody that they knew you know it could be you know they didn't have to be some unreachable person you know they were a group from Atlanta and I remember they came out wearing uh you know Grambling and Southern type stuff and they were trying to appeal to uh, to Southern culture and uh did a great job a lot of respect for those ladies and uh rest in peace left eye 
If you have an idea for the top 10 list, reach out and let me know. Chances are I'll use it. I've got some people have asked me some non-music stuff. I'm going to try to get to some of that next week. I think we've had some really strong lists here as of late. I mean, I love every one of these lists. And I love one of the best things about it is somebody will hit me up and I'll go back and listen to some of those old classics and think, man, why don't I listen to this song regularly? And so I have people to hit me up and say, hey, Steve, top 10 list. I'm not a rock guy, so I always kind of fast forward through that. So I want to change it up a little bit and uh, create a little more variety for you guys. But I'm still blown away that Waylon Jennings is number one now. It's crazy. I never expected that. I thought Waylon would do well. Never thought he'd be in the top 10. And now he's number one. And so we'll see what uh, TLC does. You know, Cool and the Gang was right there hanging around top five for a while. So uh, you guys like some of that stuff too. All right, so let's uh, let's get to some other stuff here. You know, Campus Bookmart, longtime sponsors of the show. Go by and see Standing Man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie. They'll treat you like family because in their minds you are family. They have everything that you need Mississippi State merchandising-wise. You go by, check them out, see them in person. You can even get a picture with them. They'll hug your neck from a distance, right? If you can't make it to town, visit them at campusbookmart.net. I encourage you, if you've never done to, go to their online shop. Go check it out. They update it regularly. You should follow them on social media. They have specials that come up all the time. They announce their new arrivals there. And that's how we that's how we live life, right? I mean, it's like, you're like oh, I didn't know they had that. And all of a sudden, you, you see an ad somewhere, and you think, man, I really want that. They do a great job updating social media. Go follow them on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And then you can go to campusbookmart.net and order everything that your heart desires. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll save you a little cash. Use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson, and that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Okay, so let's get into um, some basketball stuff. As you guys know, uh, Mississippi State men's basketball is uh, playing pretty well right now. I think everybody's starting to think, you know what? This might turn out a little better than we thought, and that's me included. You know, but again, there's going to be some ebb and flow, you know, with a young team. But I'm excited about what's to come. I mean, it's like you know, I'll be honest with you. There have been so many times that I thought, you know what, I just, I just can't make an emotional investment in men's basketball because every time I do, they break my heart. I know many of you feel the same way. I know after the Kentucky loss, we were all thinking, you know what, this is just kind of who we are. We're going to be competitive, but we're not going to be able to win these kind of games. And then we bounce back, and, and we win that kind of game. And we beat a Missouri team, which is really, really good, a senior-laden Missouri team. Bulldogs back in action tomorrow in Nashville on the SEC Network at noon against Vanderbilt. Be back in Humphrey Coliseum on Wednesday. The Vanderbilt game is big because it's the next ball game, right? And that's one of those things, too. After you win a big one, you got to get out of the clouds a little bit and be ready to go. And listen, this is a resurgent Vanderbilt program. A lot of people are feeling good about the future up there. You know, we'll see how things progress. But I'm kind of glad we're getting them early before they figure some things out. Uh, they're 4-4 four and four right now, 0-2 in the conference. Let me kind of run this down for you. Uh, they beat Valpo early in the year and had a couple of games canceled. Then they drilled Mississippi Valley State. They lose at home to Richmond. They beat Radford 59-50. They lose to Davidson by 20 on the road. They beat Alcorn State, and then they get shelled by Florida, and then they narrowly lose to Kentucky uh, earlier this week. So, again, this is a team kind of like us, a little bit up and down. They're going to be in their home gym. And so I'm eager to see how we respond. And that's one of those things that kind of excites me. It's kind of seeing the development of our team. Uh, I'm excited 
to see what's happening with this team tomorrow. I think we're going to learn a lot about the rest of our season tomorrow. I really do. Because if Ben Howland can get these young guys focused on the task at hand and then go win a tough road game and then come home and be ready to go against A&M, those are the things that kind of uh, turn the corner for you. On the women's side of things, you guys are well aware, we, we win the ball game at Florida. Not impressive, okay, but, but a win's a win. And sometimes that's going to happen. Sometimes when you go on the road in this league, uh, you're not going to play your best basketball. We didn't play our best basketball, but we didn't have to lose a game to learn the lesson. I did think that we managed the clock a lot better down the stretch. I thought we were a little bit better offensively uh, in the game's final couple of minutes. You know, against Kentucky, I thought we really struggled with execution late. thought we did a better job of that. Listen, you guys know what happened Sunday. Ole Miss comes to Starkville. That's a 5 p.m. tip on the uh, SEC Network. I know that you'll be glued to that one. And listen – you know, Coach O has brought a real edge to that Ole Miss team. You know, it's not it's not what we've seen the last couple of years. You know, listen, even though we, we've got it better than the last two seasons, you know, I, I expect, you know, the women's basketball team at Ole Miss to improve under Coach O. I think she is recruiting at a higher level, and I think she is coaching at a higher level. And, and I was impressed with her uh, every time that she came down, even when we absolutely destroyed them, you know, she – was quick to give Mississippi State credit and said, hey, it's our goal to make this rivalry a rivalry again. Well, don't look now, but the Ole Miss ladies are 7-1. and one. Let's run down the schedule for you. Non-conference schedule, not a whole lot to it, to be fair, but 7-1 and one is 7-1. and one. That's a team that's learned how to win. They destroyed McNeese State earlier this year, 99-44. They beat Kansas uh, in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Then they drill Alcorn State, 104-48. They beat Valley 86-46, beat Jackson State 89-65. It is the Mississippi SWAC Tour. They win at George Mason 64-34. They don't have to play against South Carolina, but they lose in overtime to LSU at Oxford. And then they came back and beat Auburn 62-58. So their long loss is a conference loss to LSU. So they sweep through the non-conference. They are not a team – that we can afford to take lightly. And if you watch the social media commentary, you saw that um, Nikki McCray-Penson told our players, hey, you know what's next. We know what's next. And we are used to dominating that rivalry. Matter of fact, we've had, you know, we had lost a game to them in, what, five, six seasons now? It's been a long time. It's been an incredible streak. I'm not ready for that thing to end. So we got to find a way to win that ballgame on Sunday. And I think we're going to learn a lot about our team on Sunday. We're going to learn a lot about our focus on Sunday. And that's why I think this weekend is kind of decision weekend for, for Mississippi State men's women's basketball. We win these two ball games. I think that we're going to feel really good about the direction of both teams because there's different reasons. Number one, Mississippi State men are coming out of the clouds after a huge win. Can we show the maturity to go on the road and win a game in the Southeastern Conference? On the women's side, you know, can we come back from a Florida game that we didn't play exceptionally well, even though Jessica Carter really controlled things down low? Can we come back home and defend the home court against a team who they see us as the Super Bowl? We're going to get Ole Miss's best shot. My hope is they get ours. So that'll be interesting to see, uh, to say the least. Again, excited to see kind of what is to come. Uh, for these two teams, but uh, I, I believe the best basketball for both of them is on the way. 
and I know, listen, and I I think a lot of people, too, aren't really being fair to Nikki McCray-Penson. I said this on the show earlier this week. You know, she's still getting to know her team, and her team is still getting to know her. And so I know we're we're used to going out there and beating Florida 35, 40 points. I, I get it. You also had a very experienced team doing that that had been in the same system for a few years. So let's give her a chance to breathe a little bit. But, hey, this is a big ball game this weekend. You win this one, a lot of the Bulldogs will calm down, right? You lose this one, they're going to be barking like never before. Listen, if you're looking to move to Starkville, and I know many of you have considered that possibility, and listen, I want some of you to move here, not all of you, okay, because, you know, it's tough enough to get in line at Walmart. But if you're considering making the move here, let me encourage you. Go by and uh, get some information about this new housing development in Starville Portico. Brooks Bryan is one of the developers. You guys know Brooks, former Diamond Dog. I don't know if there really are any former Diamond Dogs. It's a former Diamond Dog player. I think Brooks will tell you he's still a Diamond Dog at heart. I don't know if you know this. He robbed a home run against the University of Washington to send us to Omaha. We should probably all rise in his presence. But uh, – Outside of doing that, maybe contact Brooks about some information with Portico. Portico is located just off Garrett Road behind Hilton Garden Inn in the Cryford Jeep dealership. It's just over a mile from campus. How cool is that? Easy access to both 82 and 25. There'll be 51 houses total in the development with 18 houses in the first phase that are now approaching completion. 33 houses in the second phase, and that, that'll begin here in a couple months. Houses are ranging in size from 1,300 to 2,000 square feet. From two-bedroom, two-bath, up to four-bedroom, four-bath. And what's better than having your own bathroom, right? Especially when you're on the road, right? Producing Portico includes a, a walking trail and a pavilion area. You know, Brooks is a longtime friend of mine, and he's a longtime friend of yours. These guys won't steer you wrong. They're going to give you a good deal. They're going to give you all the information you need to make the most informed decision possible about moving to start. But whether it be a permanent residence or just a weekend getaway or perhaps a uh, you know, a place that you kind of come to whenever you want to go watch the Bulldogs play. Phone number 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. Call Brooks up. He'll fill you in all you need to know. Speaking of baseball, we had some news yesterday. Had a big conference call yesterday and uh, about scheduling. The SEC is going to stick with the, uh, the 10 SEC weekends. There was some discussion. They may go to 12. There was some discussion. We may stick with 10 and go with four game, four SEC games, and maybe just the one midweek game. That's all out. We're going to do the status quo. We're going to stick with 10 SEC weekends, and then you're going to be able to go add, uh, you know, your non-conference games. And so here's the thing about the non-conference games that I think is important. You know, there are a lot of people out there that aren't going to travel like they were before. You know, the expenses and the revenue – are much different than they were a year ago. There are a lot of people now that are going to be, you know what, we're going to stay a little closer to home. You know, there are going to be some schools out there not willing to pay those big guarantees to bring people in. Sure, there'll be some of those big, you know, non-conference weekends, but it's not going to be like it normally is. I mean, I, I could see a situation where maybe you play a SWAC team on a weekend just because you need to, to get some work in. Non-conference games are going to be a premium this year. I think because of that, because of the fact that chances are people aren't like, – is Oregon State going to come down here and play? I don't know. Don't know. I was looking forward to that. 
So we'll get a, we'll get a schedule sooner rather than later, but uh, I think most people are going to schedule non-conference games much closer to home. And so for us and Ole Miss and Southern Miss and people like that, I suspect that means that, uh, you know, maybe State and Ole Miss maybe play Southern in a weekend series. Maybe that happens. You know, maybe you play UAB, maybe you play Memphis. I don't know. But I think because of that, the, the fact that you're probably going to have to play a ton more, you know, midweek games against Alcorn and, and Valley and people like that, I think the NCAA tournament committee has to really minimize the strength of schedule. I, th- I think that has to happen. I think that's something that you have to look at and say, listen, we're just going to have to look at overall record, which makes winning those games that much more important. We talk about, you know, the net and RPI and all that sort of stuff. I think this year you kind of got to throw that out of the way. I think that I think the job of a selection committee is going to be very, very difficult. I do think by sticking to the, the status quo when it comes to the, the 10 SEC weekends is that it, it lessens the burden on those bubble teams. I've shared with you guys before, if we went to 12 SEC weekends, it benefits State, Ole Miss, Florida, Arkansas, LSU, because we've got a team capable of winning those weekends. You know, if you're one of those, if you're a Kentucky, you know, perhaps a South Carolina or Tennessee, well, chances are you're going to lose those two weekends. And so then all of a sudden you got, you know, four additional losses that might dip you down closer to 500 and then possibly keep you out of the tournament. I think that's, you've kind of mitigated that risk now by sticking with the 10. And that's what's so crazy. There are so many people, I think in the end somebody told me there were as many as eight different schedule models that we considered as a league and now we're done and now we're basically just going to stick with what we've always done uh i'm excited about baseball we don't have a schedule but i'm told it'll probably uh you know come end of the month first part of february and i understand there were already some tentative agreements kind of already in place with some schools about non-conferences like hey if we play we want to play you so we've agreed on all that stuff but you know no contracts are back yet. You know, everybody had to kind of wait and see how this thing was going to bowl out. There will be probably some things that will leak out between now and then. But the bottom line is we're getting ready to go play baseball. And one of the things that I have wondered about is, you know, how do we handle COVID testing, contact tracing, and all that stuff for baseball? You know, for basketball, we worried because it's a smaller roster. You know, if you have one or two guys out, you know, they're going to miss a couple weeks. In basketball, that's huge. That's huge. Because what if your two leading scorers test positive for COVID and then a couple other guys are out for contact tracing? I mean, you have to cancel games. And we're already seeing some of that. Baseball, it's a little different. It's a much bigger roster. But I think that you're going to see some mixing and matching this year. I mean, it's not like COVID's going to decide, hey, well, baseball's here. I think I'll take a break. I like baseball. But one of the best things I think the SEC did this year was go to conference-only play in football it's a lot closer contact of a sport right but that way everybody was under the same consistent protocols we navigated the season with minimal issues made it to the conference championship made it to the postseason and now here we are getting ready to probably see alabama crown as a national champion i think it's going to be much different basketball i really think we're just beginning to kind of see our issues in basketball i'm not going to be all doom and gloom that's not what i'm saying but I think that there will be more games canceled. I mean, we, we saw a bunch early on. You know, Ole Miss had some games canceled. We had some games canceled on the women's side. And so I think that you, you, you kind of held your breath each week on Monday for football, wondering if you're going to play, who you're going to play, 
uh, if things change, who was going to play for your team. I think there's going to be a lot of that in, in basketball. I don't think that risk is the same in baseball because of the size of the roster and the fact the game is played outside and it's really not in close contact. And it's always so interesting whenever somebody says, oh, well, this team's had to cancel after their game against this school and then the other school doesn't have any COVID issues. Just like, you know, we just had the Missouri, Missouri basketball just played Mississippi State and everybody's like, oh, well, look at this. You know, just like we had Missouri football. And even some of our own beat writers were suggesting, oh, maybe they got it at Mississippi State. Well, then Mississippi State didn't have any issues. You know, so we're still living and learning here. But I do am excited the fact that I do think we're going to play baseball. And a lot of, that's the first thing people ask me nowadays. Steve, we're going to play baseball. Yeah, we're going to play. Yeah, we're going to play baseball. And now we've taken some steps now to kind of finalize a schedule format. Now we'll start filling in those blanks and roll some things out to you. And the question that everybody has now is, well, Steve, what about attendance? You know, until the governor makes some changes, you know, there's not going to be a lot Mississippi State can do. And I'm going to encourage you to give our folks at Mississippi State a bit of a break when it comes to that. Because, listen, I know what college baseball means to you. I know what it means to me. And everybody's thinking, you know what, I just want to go out to the lounge and have a cold beer and be with my friends. And, listen, this year is not going to be like most years. And what I would remind you of is that this time last year, you know, we were all excited about our team, thinking we had a chance to go to Omaha for the third straight year. And then right before we had a chance to go play that monumental series against Arkansas, they canceled the series. And if you recall, they were going to play the series and only let family members and media go to the game. That was the plan. Then they canceled. And I remember thinking then, even if you guys couldn't go, that we in the media had an even bigger responsibility to cover the game better than we ever had before. And I remember thinking, man, I would do anything just to go watch Mississippi State play baseball. And so when we get there, you may not get tickets. You may not be able to do what you ordinarily have. But let's remember what we lost last spring. And if we have to watch games on TV, if we barely get to go to a ball game this year, it's better than what we had last year in the SEC, which was nothing. I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's going to be a lot of fun. But I'm going to sit here and tell you that uh, we've got a great team And I would rather watch a great team from TV than uh, not watch baseball at all. So there's going to be all these existing protocols for media. We're still going to have all our Zoom calls, and we're not going to have in-person interviews and that sort of stuff. And you know what? I'm okay with every bit of that. I'm fine with that. That's what i got to do to protect the team. Last thing I want is somebody in media getting up there breathing on Christian McLeod, and all of a sudden he's got to miss two starts, right? I'm trying to win a College World Series, right? Aren't you? And so if that means that we got to do it from afar – then that's okay. As much as I would love to be there and relive that Stanford super regional atmosphere, if we got to do it from a distance, it's better to not doing it at all. And so, again, I'm just going to ask you to take a deep breath. Mississippi State has to work within the guidelines set by the state government when it comes to attendance. I know many people were disappointed that they lost their tickets for basketball this year. I, I get it. And it's like you think, you know, I've been buying tickets all, all these years and, you know, other people are getting to go because they gave more money to the, the university. Well, that's that's kind of how life works. You know, I, I, listen, I get it. And it's, well, loyalty doesn't mean anything. Well, I would submit to you that people giving more money to the university are probably a little more loyal than you are. And that may step on your toes a little bit. It might hurt a little bit, but it's the truth. You know, so if you want to make sure that you don't get cut out next year, maybe up your donation to the Bulldog Club a little bit. But we should be excited about baseball. We are a baseball school. We have a great baseball team. 
and I can't wait till we can all get out there and bathe in the sun out there at uh, Duty Noble Field. But it's not going to be like it has been. So you need to go ahead and prepare yourself for the possibility that you may not be able to sit out there like you ordinarily have. You might not be able to go congregate. We might not be able to go get in a tiki lounge with Hobie and everybody get some sausage and drink a cold beer together. We may not be able to be out there and do that like we have before. And the hope is this is a temporary thing, and then next year we can get back to real life. But we're going to make the best of it this year. And, again, we've taken a positive step, finalized the format. Now we'll put a schedule together, and we'll get ready to go play some baseball. Listen, I want to thank you guys for your support. And, uh, listen, I, I wasn't planning to go this long today because i got people waiting on me, but uh, it is what it is. I owed a, uh, a debt to you guys. And so I encourage you, if you had not done so, go to, go to uh, alphadogsthebook.com, and you can order personalized copies of Flim Flam, Stark Villains, and Alpha Dogs, whatever you like. If you didn't get it for Christmas, treat yourself. A lot of you did. I, that, my Facebook timeline was filled with people that got the gift. Happy to be a part of that. And uh, happy that you guys uh, enjoy the work. I have people that message me every single day saying, Steve, I was in school when this happened. And listen, I love the book. And my son bought this for me from a, for Christmas present. Uh, I had a guy message me just yesterday, Jay Hammers, and said that uh, he gave the gift to his dad. And his dad read Alpha Dogs in one day. Said he couldn't put it down. You know, for a guy that, uh, that loves Mississippi State as much as I do, that means the world to me. To know that we've done something of value for other Mississippi State fans. So please enjoy that. Give the gift of... Mississippi State Athletic Knowledge, when you go to alphadogsbook.com. And if you hadn't done so, go to Stark Villains, and you can order some Stark Villains gear, get T-shirts, hoodies, everything, right there at starkvillains.com. We'll be back on Monday, probably getting you guys talking about another football commitment. How about that? Wouldn't that be great? We'd go ahead and get Ty Cooper in the boat on Monday. That'd be really cool. And then, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with uh, Adam Sparks. Some things are going to happen quickly, you know, because now it's time to get enrolled for spring. And so states doing their due diligence, kind of making sure we get the right guys. And it's I don't think there's going to be a lot of drama between now and February because I think it's only going to be a couple of kids left to sign. I think these guys that are going to be you know, grad transfers and portal guys are going to go ahead and be here in, in January if they can. Uh, but I'm excited about what is to come, and I think you guys will be as well. But, uh, again, thanks for, so, for a great year for the Boneyard in 2020. Look forward to even bigger and better things in 2021. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.